This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bulls are off and running, and Dan and Jason Bernstein are here to keep you up to date with the Stampede. You're listening to Organizations Win Championships. We have reached episode 20, wow, of the Organizations Win Championships podcast and Odyssey podcast here about your Chicago Bulls. I'm Dan Bernstein, along with Jason Bernstein and our producer, Rick Camp. The Bulls, after consecutive wins, are 31 and 36. At the moment, they find themselves 10th in the East, which means they're back in the play-in. So, all right, great. I just, I've got to say this off the top, that I am so envious sometimes of our odyssey colleagues who do the take the north podcast david haw and dan weederer when i see that they get to convene over the weekend for an emergency podcast so they can talk about a massive move that the bears have made to get themselves on a trajectory towards doing something of significance and it's just when it's the 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 stark contrast between the feelings if you're a bears fan and a bulls fan To know what the Bears are doing and to see how they're laying it out and how they're talking about it and how they're the guy in charge is everywhere. He's talking to everybody. He's telling people, I think I can get this in a deal. And then he gets it in a deal and just putting himself out there. It's just so different from what we deal with this inscrutable Bulls trajectory to God knows where. The difference between AK and Ryan Poles is astonishing. Their media presence is so different. And especially when they talk about transactions, when Poles about a week ago literally said, I think I can get two first round picks for this pick as well as an asset. And then he goes out and gets uh, one of the most underrated players in football and two first round picks. When Karnaschovas is talking, he goes, eh, I might trade. I don't, I don't know. We're satisfied because we have a lot of close games. 
And then he says, well, we didn't make any trades because we're trying to win. And yet they didn't do anything. It's so weird to be a huge fan of both teams. And I don't play basketball or football. I actually play baseball and hockey, but I pay attention mostly to the Bears and the Bulls. So as a fan, it's so hard to balance the two because right now Bulls basketball, while the past two games has been somewhat watchable, especially the Denver game, it's still miserable. And when I look at the Bears, 95% of the last five years has been miserable, although signs are really looking up right now. And it's such an odd feeling being a Chicago sports fan. It's it's usually just straight up doom. But right right now we have some hope with the Chicago Bears and the Bulls. It's, I don't know. It's not hope. It's not anything positive. It's just so stark and well, the, the last two games have been better than losing in, in some respects and yes because they won that's better than losing well i was like that, that that's the equivalent of saying three is more than two which is why the bulls should take them well it's like saying the bulls should win because winning is better than losing well i disagree with some of the conclusions that have been drawn by those who follow the team closely uh, much respect to darnell mayberry but when he concluded his piece in the athletic today by saying that the the bulls still have a chance to salvage their season i look at the numbers and and i i don't see that and i and i certainly don't see it pursuant to their standards of improving on last year that's off the table that's out that's shot they're not going to be better than the sixth seed. And even if they were to win out and grab that playoff spot, it'd be hard to see them winning a playoff series. So I I think that's off the table. I think they have in some ways successfully been able to move that goalpost and they, Oh, play in is kind of like playoffs. It's not really the playoffs, but we can pretend it's the playoffs. And at the moment they've got a spot there. They've got some difficult games that still loom, but let's break down the two wins. Let's talk a little bit about what was in the news before we hit you with this week's edition on episode 20 of the OWC college showdown at Denver. Amazingly, the bulls win one seventeen ninety six. I think in, in a lot of ways, the single best game of the year. I was so, thinking the same thing. So much of what we ask for and so much, we spend so much time knowing when we, when we say that ain't it, that ain't it, that was it. I remember when they came out and Contavious called Pope, that Contavious Caldwell Pope hit the, his first three of the game, you know, less than a minute into it. We looked at each other and we just went, "This is over." No, it wasn't that for me. It was it was the Jokic back cut. Oh, I think it was, I think it made it like ten to two or ten to four or whatever it was. They were down fourteen to four at one point. And then there was a timeout, but after that timeout, it they started to play well. And that that third quarter, the end of the third quarter, and then the way they extended that lead in the fourth, that was something that a competent basketball team does. And they played great. Patrick Williams, I think, was the X factor in this game because Levine was great. He had 29. He only took five threes, though. I would like him to take a few more, although he shot 66% from the field. Vooch had 25 and 15. DeRozan only had 17, and he had eight assists. Like, that's what you want from him. He, I don't want DeRozan scoring all their points because they're all – it means he's taking a lot of shots and he's taking a lot of twos. So 17 points for him is just right. And Patrick Williams had 18 points on eight of nine shooting one of two from three. It was a little bit of a strange game because Denver decided to play some zone against them. And I understand 
the coaching move. This team is bad at hitting threes. They don't like shooting them. They work for other shots, so they fell back in a zone. And they were a little stubborn, I thought, about, about staying in it. And the other aspect that I thought played to the Bulls' strengths was Billy Donovan substituting to accommodate for altitude. And it meant mm. shorter shifts. And a, a couple times during the game, Jay, I remember you saying, I like this unit. I like this group. There were a couple of, of, of lineups. There was, I, I want to remember it. I think it was Kobe, Patrick Williams, Zach Vooch, and it was someone else. I think it wasn't DeRozan because I remember saying, all five of these guys can hit three. It might have been Patrick Beverly. I think it would have been Patrick Beverly, Kobe, Patrick, Levine, and Vooch. And I think that's a great lineup. They outplayed Denver that game. And I find it interesting that you say they accommodated for the altitude. I, I do want to say that Denver, I think, aren't they the best home team in basketball? This Don't year? Have, something like that. Yeah. And so they know what they're doing, but it, it, it seemed like Billy knew what he was doing and... It was just really successful all around. I haven't, uh, we haven't seen a game like that from them since the Dallas win. However, that was that wasn't against a good team because that's when everybody was out and Spencer Dinwiddie was their best player, who is now on the Nets. I want to go back to to Patrick Williams though. That was the most aggressive we've seen him all season, without question. And when he had that and one where he shouldered the crap out of Reggie Jackson which I think it was his wrong shoulder as well. Mm -hmm. And he still was able to convert that. I just want him to do it more. That's the thing with him is he, I think he knows he can go over guys and try to go around guys. I want him to start trying to go through guys because he's able to granted Reggie Jackson is a point guard and Patrick Williams is a six, eight forward and he has probably 30 pounds on him, but Either way, it, there's there's something there. There was something there that game that we haven't seen in a while. He only took three shots in the Houston game. However, they were all threes. I want him to have a bigger role offensively. Maybe Billy doesn't want to play him as much when he's not hot. He only had 22 minutes in that game, and against Denver, he had 30. So that's nearly a quarter that he missed. But... In, I'm going to ask you a question. In the article that Mayberry wrote, did he talk about Patrick Williams at all being a big factor and why they could turn it around based on the Denver game? Not or was specifically, it just... no. But okay. I think that that's, that is almost understood and assumed right now. Julia Poe of the Tribune actually did a, had a nice piece writing about how Williams says that more than ever, when he passes up shots, multiple teammates get mad at him. Good. And maybe... Patrick Beverly is part of that. I would, you would think it would be because that's what he does to everybody. And Vooch was not happy with that, but it's, it seems like they're getting along. Okay. Now I don't, I don't see any issues, but man, that game against Denver really told me something about Patrick and it showed development more than anything. Cause obviously they're not going to win anything meaningful this season, but it, it showed me that there's something there with Patrick Williams that, can that can be valuable in the future while we're talking about lineups kevin anderson of nbc sports chicago who is their director of studio content gave us this info after the rockets game the bulls five-man lineup of derozan vucevic beverly levine and caruso they've now played 155 minutes together so judging them for a minimum as as a lineup minimum 150 minutes played together 
They are first in NBA defensive rating at 95.5. They are first in NBA net rating at 23.6. They're 13th in NBA offensive rating at 119.1. So that lineup, DeRozan, Vucevic, Beverly, Levine, Caruso, right now is playing a very high level of basketball. Does it mean anything? Don't know. That's exactly. a great question. And the, the answer is, I don't know. The other numbers, you're talking about an elite level of basketball. Since the All-Star break, you know what Zach's doing? Isn't he averaging like 31 or something? This is Zach Levine since the break. 31.4 points on 58.1 field goal shooting. He's making 50% of his threes on six and a half attempts and 90% from the line. It's pretty good basketball. That's that is that is big boy scoring star basketball. Pretty good scoring. And th- there have been a couple of players that have taken huge jumps after the all-star break. Mikal Bridges is a problem. Mm-hmm. You look at what he's doing. He's averaging since the all-star break or since getting traded, he's averaging like 27 on 48% from three and a very high percentage overall. It, there are some other there, there are some other names, but Zach Levine and Patrick Williams, I'm not sold on Dale and Terry yet. Maybe Kobe White are the only guys that I think could really be part of a meaningful championship team. Or not not meaningful championship team. I should say a real playoff contender with the Bulls in the future. I don't think Vucevic is going to be a part of it. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. DeRozan, obviously not. Caruso, maybe, but... I I think you're they're saying right now that DeRozan, Levine and Vooch are the core. I I don't know what their core is. I don't think they know, but I think you can't call them a core. They've never won anything. Exactly. So I would say Levine Williams, potentially Kobe white, potentially Dale and Terry, although the Dale and Terry thing is unlikely. However, I want to in in that core, I want to include Lonzo Ball, but we have a lot more to talk about with him, and I don't know if he can be. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I mean, I guess he can technically be a part of that "quote unquote" cord that that uh, yeah. could win a championship, but he needs to get healthy, man. That's well, an, that's something we need to talk about. Let Let's do the Houston game to a one nineteen one eleven win, where the Bulls did not play great. Their their defense, especially their three point defense, was. Lacks. They allowed way too many open shots at the end of possessions. Their rotations were late and lazy. There were not multiple helps and recoveries, but everything was redeemed by a terrific uh, last eighth of the game. Like the final five minutes and 40 seconds of the game, their defense was fantastic. By far, Patrick Beverly's best game is a bull in his return to Houston. You could tell he was playing at a very high intense emotional level and when he's hitting shots it is it, it, it's it's noticeable what he can do beyond just providing energy he was six of seven in nearly 34 minutes including four of five from three to go along with 10 rebounds and five assists so pretty special Six, stuff 16 points total by the way 16 points yes and, that's, and, and I, if, if it, you right. see the difference, and I know we talk about, and people say his energy, his energy, that's a lot more than energy. That's real production. It's threes. 
It's threes and defensive rebounding. We know they have trouble hitting threes, and they and we know they have a lot of trouble with getting defensive rebounds because both of their big men, their primary big men, are for the most for the most part very unathletic. So he he gives them last night. He really gave them an edge over that Houston team. I don't know what the hell they're doing. They have a lot of good young pieces, but some guys just don't make sense, especially Kevin Porter. I don't think they're very well coached. I remember the John Wall interview when he was on a podcast when he said how messed up the situation in Houston was, how they don't carry themselves like an NBA team. I will say, though, Tari Eason's a good player. And I remember when when the draft was happening, we were at a White Sox game, and you were constantly saying, I, th- I want the Bulls to get Tari Eason. And Houston nabbed him, Houston nabbed him right before the Bulls pick, they got him at 17. The Bulls had the 18th pick and they took Dalen Terry. It just shows that everybody else in the league is valuing threes. I don't know if the Bull, the Bulls definitely aren't. Dalen Terry, I don't know if he's shown us really anything. It's too, it's really early to judge on him, as I've said numerous times. But Tari Eason's a good player. And I really like Alperin Shangoon. Yeah. Houston I don't want to over-celebrate really a win at Houston, but that exactly. was knowing, they like knowing- crap. Knowing this Bulls team, unfortunately, they've set the bar so low and they've made us anticipate inconsistency and disappointment that a lot of us, after that unlikely Denver win, thought, well, okay, classic letdown setup for this team against a young team that doesn't know any better that has played hard and well against the bulls just because yeah they're they're not particularly well organized but they're long and quick and relentless and all the things that the bulls tend to struggle with and the fact that maybe this was the a, a game that you can circle and say having patrick beverly there yelling at everybody and reminding them to stop screwing around and that they're the better team and they can win this game. That, that That's part of it. But I don't want to overlook Zach Levine never stopped attacking. And as he's put up these numbers, the quickness of his decision-making the, when, when they don't lollygag and even, even it looked like when, when DeMar was taking his turns, it wasn't him doing so for for eight or ten seconds it was getting it and making a fake and making a move the the they they seem to be playing with a little bit more quick decision alacrity that really changes things for them and prevents them from bogging down into ball watching and stagnation if they if, are going to do anything at the end of this season they've got to keep up the speed at which they're deciding to do things i think they have to keep up the speed with their decision making as well as their actual quickness. And that's what I worry about because these past couple of games, they've, they've been pretty spry and they're not, they're not a very athletic team. They're only a handful of guys that can really make a difference in that way, but they've, they've looked more athletic than they have all season in these past couple of games. And that's something I worry about because they're old and they don't have enough young guys that can really make a difference running up and down the floor. And I think that results in, I think not having those guys will result in a lot of fatigue. If they even make the play in, I think it will result in a lot of fatigue for the rest of the season. But I, I do think Patrick Beverly can help them out a little bit with that. Just trying a little bit harder when you're tired, but 
other teams are just more talented and more athletic. So as, as much as these two games have been a net positive, I'm still so skeptical about, uh, about the bulls. And I think you are too, but you're, I, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it, it seems like you're trying to stay as optimistic as possible just because it feels better to do that than get really down on the Bulls season. Although it's very easy to get down on the Bulls season, and I already have. Well, I'm trying to be fair. I mean, I think we can be completely honest about where this season's going. And the Bulls have have changed their definition of what constitutes success. And, and to me... I hold them to what they said before the season, and that was improving on last year. That means winning a playoff series, and they're very, they're not going to do that. I I don't think it it's just extremely unlikely at thirty one and thirty six with you know the number of teams that they're going to have to jump past, the number of bad losses they've had. It, winning the play in would be a tall order, and if they get that, there's going to be people within the Bulls probably crowing about us and see we told you we could make the playoffs, but the larger picture still looms and the fact that they allowed or are going to allow the Vucevic contract to simply end at this point. And while still maybe having that draft pick convey to Orlando, the big picture is, is, is dark and cloudy, but it doesn't mean that individually in some of these games, there aren't threads of, of positivity. One being the fact that, I would say Zach, the fact that Zach Levine is playing at the level he's playing gives me at least a belief that if you think they know what they're doing, you can envision a team that is built with, if not entirely around what Levine is doing. Mm, mm, with, keeping it with. I don't think they can really build around him. I think he's the second guy on a championship team. I think he's the Chris Middleton to a Giannis. It's he he's not good enough defensively and he's and he's not instinctive enough in 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 all basketball sensibility. I I don't I don't think he's he's got what it takes to be a one. If Paul George comes out and says, I can't be the best player in a championship team and he says Kawhi is the number one, there's no shot that Zach Levine is going to be a number one. I'm sorry, because Paul Paul George was in 2018 was third in MVP voting, I believe, in OKC, and he's been a multiple-time All-Star. And Paul George is arguably a Hall of Fame player, and Zach Levine right now is not. So I, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying build around him. He He's the he, – you can you – can, See a team with him winning a championship. You, you, he, he's not the main guy. He's just not. Good point. A question from Rick in the chat: Is that the Bulls had two days off before the Nuggets game? They had another two days before the Rockets game, and now three days before the Kings game on Wednesday, before a Friday Saturday. These games all at home. Friday Saturday, Minnesota and Miami. Maybe an old team is better because of extra rest. You would think I mean, so, right? Although I, mean, I, I don't, hurt. I don't know if it's going to make a difference against Sacramento because they're pretty damn good. Wouldn't call them a contender just yet, but they're going to make some noise. Let's talk about the news that we got last week with Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that his sources tell him that it's likely, if not already decided, that Lonzo Ball is going to have another procedure on his injured knee he had the surgery then they had a debridement procedure where they went in to try to clean up what was going on 
that didn't solve anything and they may go in again what what we don't know and as we start looking at some really scary ranges of outcomes here to this my my hope is that somewhere diagnostically they saw something that maybe for the first time somebody some extra opinion looked at the imaging and said aha it's this what i don't want it to be is just cutting them open again and going in there and poking around just to poke around my i i hope they think they found what's causing his ongoing pain and range of motion difficulty but Everything's on the table and, and the scary stuff and the Brandon Roy stuff and everything. We're going down these rabbit holes of the collective bargaining agreement for salary cap relief and long-term injury stuff and debilitation. It, this is, we're, we're talking about all of it right now and there's nothing good. None of it's good. And I, I start to feel it's almost inhumane because I just feel so bad for Lonzo ball. Like this is what he does. It's what he is. And to have this, in doubt for him it just has to be awful yeah and he's 24 25 25 like that sucks for a guy who's that young and who came out of college with that much that much promise and obviously he's not the number one player like he was supposed to be but he he was a last year he was really 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 good and he was just what this team needed and i'm not going to play that game of what they would have done this year without him because he's out for the season there's no point in doing that it would just it would just hurt and i think it's inappropriate in a sense to do that i don't think it's fair to him and i don't think it's fair to the players that have played all year um it 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 really sucks and i feel awful for him as a person I guess as a basketball player, but more as a person, just because it's his job and he's been playing basketball forever. And you're right. It is pretty much who he is. We don't know him, but it's a big part of Lonzo Ball. And the fact that his career could be cut this short because of either a messed up surgery or doctors not knowing what's wrong that like I could not wrap my head around that if I was in his situation. Or it's not necessarily it, it medical really practice either. It could just be his knee hurts. And it's yeah, you know a bit about that. Surgeries and, and enough reasons for it that just just because he's had an unfortunate outcome, it doesn't necessarily mean that the medical treatment has been bad or wrong. It might just be one of these really unfortunate outcomes. Now somebody brought up the other day the, the, the bad luck the Bulls have had with point guards going back to the Jay Williams motorcycle accident. And then from, from that, you know, the, the first round, number two overall pick, I want to say, and then, and then the Derrick Rose injury. And now with everything they put into the Lonzo Ball acquisition, including getting busted for tampering. Here, I got, a, I got another uh, bit of unluckiness. Remember the 2017 Rajon Rondo breaking of the thumb after being up two to nothing against the Celtics? Oh wow! Bad that that's the worst of them all. I don't know that that's worse than a guy than, than a, the number two pick did, did, wrapping himself around a tree on a no the, I, no the Rose thing is the worst tearing your ACL on a non-contact injury after winning the MVP well, that's I pretty think, bad if, if we're if we're debating what's the worst point guard luck for the Bulls I think we've reached I think Rajon Rondo, Rondo wins that the Nadir it's not the Rondo doesn't win that but that's that's a great call because that's the first I've heard of it 
So that's where we are. Bulls 31 and 36, uh, home uh, grouping of games here. Wednesday, Sacramento, Minnesota, Friday, Miami, Saturday. So the test continues to see if this is just yet the latest tease by this team that we follow, which brings us to the showdown, the OWC College Showdown. Jason is boasting a record of 44 and 13. I remain above water at 28, 27 and two. Last week was a challenge for both of us. I believe we were both one and five as Jason is quizzed on the colleges of current NBA players. And then he picks three vintage players to try to test the old man. Why don't you go first this week? Okay. And this week we have three guys that played for a lot of teams. Ah. So we are starting with journeyman wing, Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson went to Ohio State. He did. Next, we have journeyman forward Walt Williams. Maryland. Yes. Socks up Walt Williams. And last but not least, we have journeyman big man Chris Gatling. That was the stump. Okay. Chris Gatling. Shoot. He was good. I'm going to kick myself for not knowing this. I... Chris Gatling, Chris Gatling. I want to say it's in the South. I, I, if, if it were a multiple choice, I would get it for sure. I can't, I would recognize it, but I can't recall it. <sighs> I'm going to have to guess. Vanderbilt. No. Hmm. Old Dominion. I should have gotten that. I should have gotten. They're in the Sun Belt, right? That's that's Southern enough. Yeah, I should have got. And, and good point from Rick Camp that Chris Gatling's career highlight was dapping up Sean Kemp after Kemp dunked on him. That is absolutely true. I don't know if he dap up Sean Kemp right now. Make <laughs> <laughs> <Like> a shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch it. Oof. All right, are you ready? No. Yeah, you are. You are. Go. Uh, Philadelphia forward George Niang, Iowa State. Very good. OKC forward Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You already did him this no, this I didn't. Yeah, Villanova. I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty sure you've done him already, but I knew that anyway. I think so. I you went to Villanova. Him. Oh, I did do him. Yeah. Shoot. Well, I, I knew it anyway. Did, same time I did Quentin Grimes and Najee Marshall. Houston and I, I did. Najee, I did Najee do Marshall. him. All right, that's on me. All right. Yeah, All I right. get well, it. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't do this guy because I could be running out of guys. Because you know everybody else. Uh, Atlanta guard Tyrese Martin. I've never even heard of the guy. Is he even on the team? Yes. No, he's probably today. playing in College Park. No, I looked it up today. College Park is their G League team. He's, he's probably a G League. He's probably a two-way player that only plays in the G League, like Carlyle Jones. Although he's not a two-way anymore. Congrats to Carlyle Jones. Um, yeah, you didn't. You never even celebrated yeah, that on the yeah, show. That, you never gave yeah, him good, good, good for Carlyle Jones. Um, it, it's really cool. So it seems like they cut. I, it was mutual with Dragic that they cut him. We didn't even address that. That he went to the Bucks. That's a pretty big story. By the way, Ty- Tyrese Martin on the active roster. Oh God. Uh, and we did address the Dragic thing last week. We did. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. Tyrese Martin, All Atlanta right. guard, active roster. Ha. Fine. I'm gonna go with Boise State. UConn. Okay. There you go. All right. 
I can't believe I did one that I've done before. I should consult my list next time. Make sure I haven't. Well, that is going to do you it. Do it episode 20. We made smart. 20 episodes. You know what? You know what I do? I check my list to make sure I haven't done the guy already because I'm smarter than you are. Well, the numbers sure show it in, in the college showdown. I'll say that. So uh, we will have some more games to talk about. The, the scheduling, I'm not sure about because this guy is leaving for spring training baseball of his own his team is going to florida to play a tournament down at the orlando disney espn facility thing there so don't get in trouble i'll try my best like deported or don't don't let ron desantis throw you in some kind of jail Uh, i'll i'll I'll, don't be too woke and don't say gay because that can get you immediately thrown into jail maybe maybe i should just like paint a rainbow in the hotel room I'm telling you, you will end up floating, remanded to a secret prison. So, just or maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe if I have some homework that I need to do for AP classes, I shouldn't do it because he's trying to ban AP courses. That'll be your excuse. You just, you just won't do the homework and say that the governor banned it. Yep. All right, Jay. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, well, so we'll figure that out when we are able to talk about these this next grouping of games. Oh, God, so, that uh, comment, Rick. Oh yeah, my I know, God. Rick. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, you're, of course you're right, but we but we can't. So that'll do it for episode twenty. Subscribe, like, rate, review, cut it up into little pieces, dry it out, and use it as a seasoning on your pasta. That's what you should do with this podcast. Have you snorted the dried up, crumpled podcast? Maybe I or should. Some- no, I'm bad. asking you because that was a very obscure reference. Or well, you got mad very last time direction. when I said you should you should melt it down and slather it over your whole entire body and rub it on your chest like vapor rub. Yeah, I think I shamed you for that too. Nah, you're only emboldening me. Okay, that'll do it. <laughs> Talk later.